0: You know, I think any man that's been around for any length of time at all knows that one of the quickest ways for you to get into hot water is to be forgetful. You know, you come home from work, and the first thing that your wife says when you get in is, where's that gallon of milk I told you to pick up on the way home? I'm sorry, I forgot, I'll go back and get it. Or, whoops, I forgot, I was supposed to fill a car up with gas and you're gonna have to do it in the morning now. Or, you know, something along those lines. I forgot to make the car payment. Am I in trouble now? Of course, if you really, really wanna get into trouble, if you wanna see a whole new definition of trouble, forget things like birthdays, anniversaries, Valentine's Day, I mean, that puts a whole new shine on the word trouble. But there are times, there are times when forgetfulness is a good thing. Uh, We don't think about it that way a lot. You know, most of the time if we've forgotten something, it's going to cause us a problem of some kind or other with somebody or other. But there are times when forgetfulness can be a good thing. There are some things we should forget. I have known... People sometimes whole families uh, in congregations that don't have anything whatsoever to do with each other. They won't talk to each other. And if you're an outsider, you can kind of stand back sometimes, and you can you can watch the whole thing sort of unfold. You've got a group over here, and you've got a group over there, and a few odd people wandering around between them. Somebody at some time, who knows what it was, or who knows when it was did something or said something to somebody else and they have held on to that all these years and if you ask them they don't even know what it is anymore but there are some people who will hold on to a grudge until it dies of old age and then they take it to the nearest taxidermist they have it stuffed and they bring it home and put it up on the wall they don't forget an injury and that's one of those things that, you know you, when you stop and think about it <clears throat> A lot of the time when somebody does something to you, they may not have actually done it. You saw part of of the situation or you heard part of what was said and you just kind of assume the rest of it. And you think, oh, they said something about me or they've done something to me and they may not have at all. Or if they did, they really didn't mean what you thought they did. So it's one of those things, you know, just let it go. How much hurt is it going to cause you anyway? if you just let it go. Sometimes people do mean what they say. Sometimes people do things to you on purpose, hurtful things. But it's, it's one of those things, in Luke chapter 17, Peter, I think, is trying to kind of go uh, above and beyond uh, here when he asks Jesus this question. But the whole idea is about forgiveness it's one of those things, you know, what should I do? It says, take, Jesus says, take heed to yourself. This is Luke chapter 17, verse three. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Now, he's not talking about doing it in a hateful way. He's talking about just confront him. This is what I thought you did. This is what I thought you said. What's your response? Either, well, I never did anything like that, I never said anything like that, I'm sorry if it appeared that way. Okay, matter's taken care of, it's forgotten, just go on about your business. Or if they did, he says, if he repents, forgive him, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying I repent, forgive him, just forgive him, and kind of implicit in that is forget about it. You know, if you're going to forgive somebody then forget about the injury too, to the best of your ability. In other words, you don't keep it in the back of your mind every time you see them, you don't throw it up to them constantly, you don't tell everybody else you know, oh, do you know what so and so did to me? They did it, you rebuked them, they repented, forgive them and forget about it. Go on about your business. Now in Matthew chapter 18, in verse 21, Peter came to Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And I think Peter, in his mind, is going way above and beyond. You know, if my brother does something to me, how often do I have to forgive him? You know, there's got to be a limit here somewhere. You know, how often do I have to do this? You know, if, if, if I go above and beyond, if I go beyond what's reasonable and say I have to forgive him seven times, is that good enough? And Jesus tells him a parable He says I do not say to you up to seven times but up to 70 times seven Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants and when he had had begun to settle Accounts one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents ten thousand talents in the first century was an amount of money That's about equal to a national debt. I mean this is a ridiculous amount of money but he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarius was a Roman coin it was worth about a day's pay for a laborer, so about 100 days' pay, as opposed to a national debt size. So he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all, and he would not. He wouldn't do it So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Jesus essentially is saying here that God is in the position of this master who was owed this huge amount of money. And he said, I was willing to forgive you. But now somebody else owes you a, you know, almost not worth mentioning amount of money and you're not willing to forgive him? So look at the difference in the debts. You owed me a huge debt and I forgave it. He owes you a small one and you wouldn't. What he's doing is he's saying that we owe God a tremendous debt. You know, you think, sometimes people think about that and they say, well, what do I really owe God? I've not been a bad person. Oh, yeah, I've told lies occasionally, and maybe I've not always been as honest as I should have been I have done things wrong from time to time, but they're relatively minor Sin Regardless of how bad you may think it is how bad it is in your mind sin cost the life of God's son In order for our sins to be remitted the debt had to be paid and it cost Jesus life on the cross That's the debt you owe. So if somebody does something to you, what is that in comparison? Not much. If God was willing to forgive us the huge debt we owe, how can we not be willing to forget the relatively small debt somebody else owes and then put it out of our mind? Forget about it. You know, over there in Hebrews chapter eight and verse 12, brother Joe read for us a moment ago, God said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. God said, I will put it out of my mind. I'll forget about it. Their lawless deeds, I'll remember no more. And we have an obligation as much as we can to try to be like God, do for others the things he did for us. In Leviticus chapter 19 in verse 18 it says you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself you don't take vengeance you don't bear a grudge is there somebody you bear a grudge against is there somebody that did something to you maybe years ago and you've never forgotten it can you forget it just put it out of your mind Don't carry a grudge around. Some things should be forgotten. Past injuries is one of them. Don't let that poison our lives. Another thing that it's best oftentimes for us to forget to the extent that we can, and this one's a really, really hard one, past failures. You know, there are times some people can forget what was done to them, but they have a really hard time forgetting what they did. We carry around a lot of baggage, things that we did. And I I have to confess, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. There were things that I did when I was a kid. I look back on it now. I didn't know any better then. I do now, and I feel bad about it. You know, you could have hurt somebody's feelings with something that you said. You didn't mean it, but that doesn't change the fact you said it. And we carry that baggage around with us sometimes for years and years and years when we shouldn't. Now one of the things that I've really have grown to appreciate more and more about scripture Is the way people are depicted? If you if you look in some detail At the lives of some of these great characters that we find in the Bible You'll find them depicted exactly as they were As human beings and that's one of the things that tells you that the Bible did not come from man I used to read a lot of books in the uh, school library when I was a kid And they had a lot of these uh, historical fiction books. Maybe you remember some of them. But they would talk about characters from American history, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and other ones. And they would would fictionalize accounts from their lives, but they were always painted in this this rosy picture. They never did anything bad. They never had any bad thoughts. You know, it, it wasn't true. Now, it's fine if, you, if you're a youngster and you're reading things like that. When you get older, you know that that's just not human nature. Nobody's perfect. And the Bible depicts them exactly as they were, partly to show that man didn't write the Bible, but partly as an encouragement to us, too. And you think about this. A lot of the time, I, te- I, I think that we tend to think of Bible characters as, you know, somebody way up there we can never attain to their stature. They were so much better than we can ever be. They, they did so many more things than we can ever do. And then you read about the way they really were, you find out they were people just like us, exactly like us. One of the characters that I, I like to look at in a context like this is Peter, because Peter is one of these, he's a person of contrasts. He is so good one minute, and then it seems like the next minute he fails so miserably. Kind of the way we do a lot of the time. Over in Mark chapter 14, you read about a, a, an incident there that came about uh, immediately prior to Jesus' arrest. In verse 27, Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be Jesus said to him, assuredly I say to you that today, even this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times Peter said, I won't do it. If everybody else is made to stumble because of you, I'll be the only one there by your side I'd never do it And Jesus tells him, not only will you do it once Not only will you do it twice, you'll do it three times tonight before the rooster crows twice. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the worst things in the world for me is to have somebody tell me, you are about to make a really bad mistake. And then for me to say, I am not, and then I go ahead and do it. And when I turn around after having made that really bad mistake, they're standing right there looking at me. Is there anything worse than being told, I told you so? Well, even though Peter spoke more vehemently, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said, likewise, we know what happened. You go over into verse 66. Now, as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus Nazareth. He denied it saying, I neither know nor understand what you're saying. And he went out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again, and began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them. But he denied it again, and a little later those who stood by said to Peter again, surely you're one of them, for you're a Galilean, and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man whom you speak. He wanted to make so sure that they didn't associate, with him, uh, associate him with Jesus, he began to curse and swear. Well, you know, Jesus' disciples never talk like that. So this guy can't be one of them. I don't know this man. A second time the rooster crowed, then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times, and when he thought about it, he wept. Matthew's account says he wept bitterly. This is a man who had just been told, I told you so. You thought you were so good that you couldn't fall, and now look what you've done. And not only that, but I warned you about it ahead of time. Now think about bearing that load of guilt around with you. And you know it had to have bothered Peter, but he didn't let it stop him from being a productive disciple of Christ. It was something that he had to bear but he didn't let it stop him. Another one is the Apostle Paul. I think he's one of the, uh, uh, the prime characters, one that we would think of in a context like this. Over in Acts chapter 26, he's speaking to King Agrippa, and he says, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the holy vision. He's telling him about what he has become. But what he was before was the problem. Verse 9, indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. How much do you think that bothered Paul? Now, Paul was an extremely intelligent man, and I think this is one of those things that that recurrently came back to his mind. And we know that it did. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says that it did. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, and I think the insolent man part of that in Paul's mind was the worst. You know, he could excuse himself to an extent being a blasphemer and a persecutor because he didn't believe Jesus was the Christ anyway. But he was an insolent man. And that has more to do with attitude than actions. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's a load to carry. That is is something that a man has to think about for the rest of his life. But you can't let it stop you. Everybody makes mistakes and some mistakes are worse than others. But the one mistake that's the worst is the one that keeps us from a life of faithful service. Some people say, I've done something terrible, I might as well just quit. You can't do it. What you do is you learn from the mistake. And that's the important part. A mistake is really a mistake when you persist in it. Everybody makes mistakes, but when you do, do you step back and say that was the wrong thing to do and I need to learn how not to do that again what we need to do. And secondly, when we see a mistake, we need to keep it from leading us into another mistake. This is one of those things that is really interesting about the life of of King David. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, David starts a chain of mistakes. Number one, he was where he wasn't supposed to be at a time he wasn't supposed to be there. Secondly, he was doing something he shouldn't have done. And thirdly, he was thinking thoughts he shouldn't have thought and That led him down that that chain a slippery slope of mistakes And it ends up with him being a murderer He killed Uriah the Hittite had the army withdraw from him during the battle so he would die And you can imagine how he felt in the next chapter 2nd Samuel chapter 12 when Nathan the prophet comes to him and tells him this story about this poor man who had one little ewe lamb. He treated it like his own daughter. And there was a rich man who had plenty, but some friends came to visit, so he went and took the little ewe lamb, killed it, cooked it, and fed it to his guests. And David was outraged. Who would do such a thing? And Nathan said, you did. Now that's something that will bring your sin home to bear. Quickly, you did. David was a righteous enough man to then finally admit what he'd done. And if you want to find out how he felt about that, go over into the book of Psalms. The 51st Psalm, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. David says, I can't get this out of my mind. I need you to cleanse me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. He goes on asking for God's mercy Verse 14, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. Verse 16, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. He was a broken man. Seeing the sin that he had committed. But he didn't let it stop him. He continued on. One of the things that we can do is, number one, as I said, learn from the mistake. Number two, appreciate God's grace. Sometimes we like to think I'm not really that bad of a person. But as I mentioned earlier, my sin put Jesus on the cross. So yes, I am. And that, that should make me appreciate God's grace. God was willing to forgive me of something like that. And also it helps us to forgive other people you know if I'm that bad and God can forgive me then I need to remember that other people are not any worse than I am or have been we need to look at other people as we look at ourselves and not excuse what we do and then not excuse what they do because there's not that much difference Titus chapter 3, I've I've, I've grown to really love this passage here. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, Paul says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Why? For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit." He says, you used to be just like him. Don't be too quick to point a finger. So when we think about past mistakes, we want other people to react toward us in a certain way, and we should do the same thing for them. We should treat others the way we want to be treated. Luke 6, 31, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them. We make mistakes. We would like for people to be patient with us in our mistakes, Treat them the same way. Be patient with them as well. So forget past injuries, forget past failures, and then forget past accomplishments. There tends to be an attitude sometimes with people that, well, I did my share, I don't need to do anything else. It's somebody else's problem now. And we tend to let other things get in the way. You know, what I used to do, uh, what I've done in the past, It's one of those things, you've you've heard this before, and I I don't mean it exactly the way it sounds, but it's pretty close. You know, I don't care what you did then, what have you done lately? You know, people ask you that. That used to be a big saying in athletics, you know, well, I was a great player at one time. Well, yeah, you were great then, what have you done lately? And we need to kind of think about ourselves that way. I may have done great things for God in the past, but what have I done lately? Forget about what I used to do. Forget all about that. It hasn't bought me anything. What I need to do is look at what I am capable of doing now. What am I doing now? And even Paul did that. You know, over in uh, Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks about what would be considered among a lot of people great things about himself. He says he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. This is Philippians chapter 3 and verse 5. Uh, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law blameless. And how many other people could describe themselves that way? A Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the righteousness that's in the law blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ." if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now watch what he says now. Not that I have already attained. Now if if anybody had reason to brag, it was the Apostle Paul. All of the things that he had been through, all of the things that he had done, all of the things that he had suffered, and he says, not that I have already attained. He says, I, I do not consider myself to be sinlessly perfect or to be safe on my way to heaven as I stand right now. Now, he's not saying that we, could, we should all go around saying, well, I don't know if I'm saved or not. We should be able to say that we are. But he's saying, look, there may be things that happen in the future that I've not, I've not reacted to yet, things in the future that may cause me problems that I've not faced yet. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or grasped, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to forget what happened in the past, good things and bad. He said, I'm focusing on the future. And as long as you continue to focus on the future, forget what's behind, then you're looking in the right direction. It's not what have I done, it's what can I do. What can I continue to do in God's service? You know, it's one of those things you find out as you get older, there are fewer and fewer things that you can do that you used to do. And probably some of the things that you still can do, you probably shouldn't but there is always something that you can do. There is always something that that every person can do in God's service. Forget about what we used to do. Think about what we can do and what we should do now. Keep pressing forward. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pressing on, forgotten about what's behind me. I'm thinking about what's ahead, and that's what we should do as well. So like I said when we first started this study uh, this afternoon, forgetfulness oftentimes is a bad thing and I'm as familiar with that as probably almost anybody else. But there are times when forgetfulness is good. Forget past injuries. When you you meditate on things like that, when you carry a grudge, it does you no good. It doesn't do anybody else any harm to speak of. You're not accomplishing anything useful by it. Forget about it. Go on. Forget about your past failures as much as you can. And that's a very, very difficult thing to do. Sometimes we find it easier to forgive other people than we do to forgive ourselves. But if God has forgiven it, then we should try our best to forgive ourselves as well. God said he would put it from his memory. We should try that as as well, as long as we've learned the lesson that the mistake will teach. And forget about past accomplishments. It's not what you've done in the past, it's what are you gonna do now or in the future. Forget past injuries, forget past failures, forget past accomplishments. Forgetfulness can be a good thing. It may be that there's someone here this evening that needs to respond to the invitation. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you could come forward this evening confessing your faith in Jesus as the Son of God, and you could be baptized to have your sins washed away. If you're an erring child of God, then you need to go to God in prayer. Confess the sin to Him from a repentant heart and ask Him to forgive you and he's promised to do that. If your sin is public in nature, then your repentance should be public as well so that you'll not bring shame and reproach upon the church. Or it could be that there's someone here this evening that he just needs to come forward and ask for the prayers of those saints that are gathered here for some other reason. Whatever your need is, would you come forward and make it known while together we stand and sing.